Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, it's me, Water. I know you need to drink a lot of glasses of me per day, and you sometimes forget to do so, or it's not fun to constantly refill glasses. Well, how about to make the water drinking experience more fun? While you're doing so, you listen to an episode of this podcast. Before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, if you live in Boston, Massachusetts, and you saw the Potterless announcement that we were coming to a bunch of cities in the Northeast, but not Boston, and you were sad that we weren't doing a live show in Boston, well, guess what? There's a new show added, and guess what? It's in Boston! On September 18th, that's a Saturday, we will be doing Potterless Live at the Hard Rock Cafe over by Fanuel Hall. I am very excited to come to Boston and talk about how much better the Yankees are than the Red Sox and also talk about Harry Potter stuff. But that is added to our list of live shows. If you want to get tickets to this show or any other show, you can go to potterlesspodcast.com slash live. We're coming to a bunch of cities in the Northeast and the Midwest and also Salt Lake City. I am trying to add new shows for later in the year and early 2022 if you live in Texas I'm trying to get some Texas shows while I'm home for the holidays, and I'm also looking for West Coast stuff next year, so I'm trying to expand the tour as much as I can. I'm excited to do so, but if you live in a city that has a show coming, you should come. It'll be really fun. It'll be a great time, and you can get tickets at potterlesspodcast.com slash live. And speaking of cool new things, we have new members of our team over at patreon.com slash potterless who are supporting the show and keeping it going, so I want to give a shout out to Dana Labart, Liana Carpenter, and Tiffany, and I want to give two patron-related birthdays birthday shoutout, so happy birthday to Lavender Jones, and happy birthday to Matilde Preciosa. And of course, want to give a huge shout out to our producer-level patrons, Vicky, Christine, Aaron, Clow, Marchismo, Juan, Rosemary, Maria, Lisa, Audra, Eleanor, Nikita, Rachel, Alex, John, Noel, Claire, Rory, Veronica, Lada, Noah, Jennifer, Justin, Jacob, Maya, Polly, Zena, Harlan, Nikki, Kine, Sarah, Marta, Flor, Skyla, Adele, Professor Threat, Ellie, Michael, Kelly, Kerry, Connie, Jen, Nedry, Will, Marike, Ashton, Brittany, Phelan, The Meadows Family, Ginny, Heather, Kevin, Jarl, Peter, Callahan, Bella, Melanie, Rees, Joseph, Madison, Tonks, Sabrina, Sophia, Farzan, Melanie, Matt, Okamahime, Bony Pony, Kelsey, Rike, Taylor, Megan, Riley, Laurel, Erica, Kendra, Tanya, Yogan, Darcy, Sandra, Craig, Demi, Michelle, Henrika, Casey, Megan, Jack, Stain, Little, Elaria, Gregory, Cockhaw, Ribbon, Jack, Serenity, Haley, Sabrina, Jenny, Eileen, Annette, Hufflepuff, Brett, Mary, Artemis, Samantha, Nina, Tatiana, Karis, Vomit Spiders, Punkfish, Wire Warrior, Joe, Michael, Maya, Jasmine, Neely, Tate, Sam, Sam, Adriana, John, Jody, Dunna, Nosh, Emma, Il, Sean, Greg, Matthew, Ping, Vinacek, Nani, Emma, Steamed Nuggets, and Kurt Hypotter, who never don't pack enough clothes on a trip to where the only things clean that they've left are a pink shirt and a pair of pink shorts so they are just head-to-toe dressed in all pink monochrome. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to director's commentary, bonus episodes, monthly live streams, exclusive Potterless merchandise, and more, you can head on over to patreon.com Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 181 of Potterless, covering the first half of the first LEGO Harry Potter video game, guest-starring Eric Skull. Hello, Internet, and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a 29-year-old man who never read the Harry Potter series as a kid. He read them as an adult. He did a bunch of other stuff. He's played other video games, and specifically other LEGO video games, but until now, never a Harry Potter LEGO game. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm the grown man. We are going to be talking about the first Harry Potter LEGO game, and I am joined by a veteran Potter podcaster and someone that expressed interest in doing this episode many moons ago, and we're finally making it happen. It's Eric Skull. Eric, how's it going? Hey, Mike. How's it going? Things are well. I'm coming to you live from Texas. I'm chilling with my parents for a couple months, escaping the ravaging heat of New York City that I've gotten multiple text message warnings from my electric company that heat waves will result in power outages. So I feel like I left at the right time. Man, it's it always <laughs> feels good to have that kind of timeliness uh, associated with a big trip of yours that you're probably already going to be making. Oh, yes, 100%. It's nice, but I was greeted in Texas by an entire week of 
92 and above degree temperatures, so... <laughs> yeah, well, it's a drier heat, right? That's what they say. I wish. Sadly, my parents are in Houston, so it's the most <laughs> humid heat. Never it's mind. one of those 92, feels like 476. But enough weather talk. Let's talk about Harry Potter, specifically the Lego Harry Potter games, which many people, you included, told me that I would love. And spoiler alert, I absolutely do. Yes. I am obviously a latecomer to this franchise, but for you, someone that is been in the mix of Harry Potter for many, many years. I don't even know when this game came out, what it was like. So what's what's your history and also just when this game came out, what was general reception? I would assume positive. Yeah, um, I was a huge fan of the original like Lego video games, starting with Lego Star Wars, where they started doing like Lego IP in other universes. And both the first two games, which were, uh, I believe, for PlayStation 2 of Lego Star Wars and Lego Star Wars 2, were just absolutely amazing. There's game changers. There's so many things that are good about this formula that they developed into Lego Star Wars, Lego Indiana Jones, Lego Batman level, you know, Marvel now. There's all sorts of, uh, they did a Lord of the Rings version. There's so much that they've refined. And so by the time 2010 came around, which was when Lego Harry Potter years one through four was released, they had really decided to, you know, stick with what worked and then also try new things. And so what you got in this uh, new video game is uh, the excitement that comes from trying new things while at the same time resting on the laurels of, you know, knowing that it's going to be fun and going to be uh, exciting the whole way through. Yeah, my first ever Lego experience was with a free demo for PS3 of Lego Indiana Jones. Nice. And I remember really enjoying it. I thought it was really fun, really silly. And the biggest thing, and you'll see as we recap these, I just appreciate the way that in the Lego games and the cutscenes, they are able to fully convey what happens in a movie but using no dialogue at all, just onomatopoeia and grunts and facial yes. expressions. Yes. They convey the plot really, really well and in a way that if you don't know the story of Harry Potter, you still pretty much get it. And if you do know the story of Harry Potter, you get the extra fun bits of seeing the ways that Lego has to get around plots with making things look like they are made out of Legos and then also convey things with without words. And for the most part, they don't even use text aside from a few instances where they actually use letters and numbers. So right. it just feels like really creative storytelling. And now as a full-time creative person, I just think it must be so fun to work on these games because it's just so fun. Like, it's just such a positive, like you can't help but have an ear-to-ear -ear smile on while you play these games. Absolutely. And that is the number one takeaway from this game that I have as well that as many people who've played it. You can tell that the people who were behind this game love Harry Potter. Yes. And live it and breathe it. And, you know, you would think that that would be a given for somebody like a game designer, but it's not because so many of the movie adaptations, uh, you know, when the when the Harry Potter films first started coming out in 2001, 2002, you know, you would get like the Prisoner of Azkaban game and it would be on Nintendo DS and Game Boy and PlayStation and PC and maybe an Xbox and sometimes different games too, not because like DS is, you know, what's that? Or Game Boy is like 2D and not 3D. So totally different games. There was such pressure for Warner Brothers to do these like cross-platform releases of these movie tie-in games that quality was just non-existent. You know, at least at the very least, quality control was not consistent and th there was no, I guess, real creative mind behind, we need to make these good. Mm -hmm. The first Harry Potter video games were very, very, very good, actually, but not the movie tie-in games. Uh, the first, you know, Harry Potter games like Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Chamber of Secrets, they debuted on, like, PC and I want to say the first PlayStation. They're very nostalgic. Definitely you should do episodes devoted to them. But uh, in terms of the movie games, and as you mentioned earlier these Lego games really do rely on the movies in a certain way. Not only the composed score of the films runs rampant throughout, not just the cutscenes, but even in the main sort of hub world when you're exploring, but you know, all the cutscenes really are taken, I would say, even more from the movies than uh, scenes in the books. The look and the feel, the characters are you know based off their movie counterparts, all of that. So it really does come across as the best 
movie adaptation video games or even a better adaptation than the movies, I think, of the books also. Yeah, there's certain things that I think the Lego cutscenes do better than the movie, which is very surprising <laughs> that that comes through. <laughs> they smooth a lot of the edges. Yeah, yeah, they present these, especially with the Lego Harry Potter years one through four, really present a cohesive angle, which, you know, when you actually watch the first four films, it just doesn't exist because the different directors, you know, switch up between movie three and four. It's mm-hmm, like, what mm-hmm. am I even watching? It doesn't feel like the same even world necessarily. For sure. They feel really cohesive and they're fun. So from a gameplay perspective, if anyone hasn't played the games, basically you primarily run around as Harry Potter, though it's always set up in a way where you can play two player. And just from a fun video game playing with your friend's perspective, you can always jump in and out that second player and it doesn't really affect the gameplay, which is very fun, even if it's partway through a level, which is really cool. But also, even though you are going through Harry's story, you can unlock many different skins of pretty much every character that is in the game at any point. So you can be running around as not necessarily Harry, even though you are following Harry's story. And there's an obscene amount of characters that you can be. I want to say like 200 different people. (laughs) Yeah, it's 167 (laughs) different characters for free play mode. 160, and they're not all like generic Gryffindor boy, station guard, that kind of a thing. They're, They're very specific characters that you just wouldn't expect to see represented in a video game like Alicia Spinett. Like you can play through the levels as the other members of the Gryffindor Quidditch team that just don't get the spotlight and that can be your thing. That can be your way through these levels. There's even very minor things like variants of the main characters. Hermione holding a runes textbook or (laughs) Harry disguised as a girl. And then when you're playing not necessarily the story mode, you can do things like free build. You can buy little extras in the game, which are little tweaks to the game, like big head mode, those kind of extras. Mm. But then also you can buy these particular character skins and all of that, which you get the in-game currency, which are just these tiny little Lego pieces, which when I play the game, I'm so slow because I'm a big completionist boy and I try to pick up Uh, every single thing all over the place. And very much in the... If you like completionist games, I cannot recommend this game enough because of course there's the main story, but then it's like collect all of this, save all of the children in peril and all of this stuff. (laughs) There's so many little things that you can do. It's one of those, you could plow through this game in a couple hours or you could spend 35 years on it depending on your play style. (laughs) Well, and how devastating is it when you think you've got like every stud in the game, you've smashed everything. You've also tweaked everything using, Mm -hmm. uh, I guess in this game, it's uh, Wingardium Leviosa. In Star Wars, it's the Force. You tweak things, then you shoot them, you shoot them, then you tweak them and whatever, you get more studs. But reaching the end of the level and not reaching true wizard or just being a hair off because you fell down a cliff or something and you needed that extra thousand points that it docks you like it's unbelievable but yeah <laughs> most of these games and i've actually heard this levied at, at leveled at the series as a criticism it's a lot of smash and go right it's like just blow a bunch of stuff up people find it chaotic i find it hilarious i think it's very funny that usually the solution in the game is just let me try to break this thing and then it breaks into lego pieces and then you use when guardian <laughs> leviosa and the pieces auto build into whatever you need. But I think if people are going to criticize that, I feel like that's the same as when people see a silly movie and then criticize it for being silly. Ah. You watch Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter and you're like, all he did was (laughs) be fake Abe Lincoln and hunt vampires. Well, yeah, that's the movie. (laughs) I think the game here is, what do you want out of this game? I want a game where instead of humans, it's Lego people and I'm running around and I'm playing through the story. Yes, it's a very simple game where it's a lot of you just like running around and tapping square a whole hell of a lot, but it's fun and you don't have to think. And sometimes I don't want to play a video game where I have to think and focus. I've been playing a lot of MLB The Show, which is a baseball video game where you have to really focus because you only have 0.1 second to decide if the pitch coming to you is a ball or a strike. So much so where I have to tell Kelly, like, hi, please don't distract me while I'm playing this video game. But like, I don't want every video game to be like this. Sometimes you want to sit back and eat snacks and play a video game. And that's what this is. Listen, I 
have met so many people who either grew up without video games, which is an absolute life experience, way different than anything I ever had. Like I had video games. Mm-hmm. I had lots of systems and friends had the other systems I didn't. But there are people who've never played video games that are, that are like, I give them the Lego game or we play it together and they do the co-op mode, like you said, because... They, their coordination is not there. They just don't know. And these games teach that. Yeah. These games are perfect starter games. The barrier for entry is so darn low. But yet, there is a good narrative. And there is a lot of fun implicit in the little, and not even just cutscenes, but the logic, the the sort of puzzle mm-hmm. the logic. The puzzling, yeah. And, and it's gotten to the point where some of these puzzles in these games, I want them to, like, retroactively, I'm like, yeah, that's canon. Now, like, you absolutely... <laughs> had to give a rubber duck to Fluffy to get past it. Like, you know, what is this harp? No, no, no. Absolutely. A squeaky, squeaky rubber duck toy. It's really fun. And yeah, it plays like an interactive movie almost. But then if you want to just run around and terrorize the Lego town by making every wizard in Hogsmeade float (laughs) in the air or destroying every single window and banner wherever you go so that you can get the money, the studs. Thank you for reminding me of the official technical canon term, you can do that. And it's fun and it's flexible. And I think we should get into the actual discussion of the games. Absolutely. So as we said, there's two Lego Harry Potter games. The first one is broken up into years one through four. The second one is years five through seven. So we're going to be talking about, we're going to get as far as we can. We'll probably talk about year one and a chunk of year two. But for the most part, the cutscenes just kind of follow stuff from the movie. But then there's little tweaks and all the little tweaks are really fun. So that first one, Hagrid, of course, flies in on his flying motorcycle. He crashes the motorcycle in very dramatic fashion. And when he pops up from out of frame, he's got leaves in his clothes and he's got flowers in his beard. And of course they are. If anyone has played with Legos, it's so funny because so often the pieces that they use are just those standard Lego type pieces that show up in so many things. Anytime there's a flower, it's like, oh, right, that's generic Lego flower that comes in so many different right. Lego sets I've built over the years as a kid. The chicken leg comes up all of the time. The skeletons look exactly like the skeletons that I had in my Lego King Arthur's Castle set. Like, it's just so fun if you have played Legos as well. It's all the classic pieces. Yeah, well, I love that fake out too when Dumbledore's approaching this cat on the sidewalk at Privet Drive. <laughs> and it turns out, nope, it's just a cat because there's a ahem, and there's like, you know, oh, it's McGonagall right there. It's like, oh my gosh, this is great. Subversion of expectation is like gold in these games. Yeah, they definitely play on the fact that if you know the story of Harry Potter, you know what is supposed to happen. So very often in the cutscenes, they will do a fake out like this where, yeah, he's approaching a cat. You go, it's got to be McGonagall, but then McGonagall is already not a cat standing somewhere else. It's so funny. (laughs) And it made me wish that like actually happened in the movie. Like you said, it would have been so funny if Dumbledore walked up to a regular ass cat. Well, see, but that's the thing. (laughs) They, They could never do it in the movie because that audience needs to be shown that there are humans in this world that can transform into animals. And mm-hmm. so they don't have that luxury, but these Lego games get to run with that. Yeah. Because the audience already knows. Some people will get it and laugh, and other people will just be like, oh, you know, cute Lego cat that they animated on the ground. Like, not a big deal. There's something for everyone. And just being in on the in joke is one of the, <laughs> the funniest and most rewarding experiences of any. Uh, being part of fandom. Mm -hmm. It's really fun. And another thing that happens very soon after is that when they show baby Harry swaddled up at the Dursley's doorstep, he already has glasses on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because if he's a Lego, you can only do so much with the facial features to make someone look recognizable. So even as an infant, baby Harry's got glasses on. (laughs) Well, he was well taken care of. We know that James and Lily loved Harry and they would have certainly taken him to an optometrist just as soon as it was, uh, you know, advisable to. Certainly. So one of the next scenes I really enjoyed is the owl letters scene when they're all flying in with the Dursleys. And I have to say, Vernon, I didn't recognize at first because mm. he's he's hot. Oh, like, I was not. I would like not a, have gone he's there. He's got like I a daddy not. look. His hair looks nice. His mustache looks good. Like yeah. he's very, obviously he's a Lego person, but like he's a put together Lego guy. <laughs> I see what you mean. I'm now looking him up and he's kind of like ginger and he kind of looks a little bit like uh Hmm. Yeah, like somebody you've seen recently. There's definitely a decision that was made on the part of casting these Lego figures to maybe align closer to the books. 
certain characters, like Petunia, for instance, is blonde in the books. Mm -hmm. And that messes with you. Like every time you reread Harry Potter and you're just like, wait, she's blonde? What? Because everybody's thinking Fiona Shaw. And the Legos really toe a fine line, uh, the Lego games do. For instance, Petunia is still a brunette. Um, but anything else is fair game. And, you know, Vernon, for instance, is, you know, does look different. It's a little bit more ginger than blonde, that kind of a thing. And while heavily relying on the movies for certain cues, these games specifically are a lot closer to the books and the canon of the books and the way things happened in the books than you'd even sort of passingly notice. Yeah, it's nice. As someone that appreciates book interpretation, I think it's very good. I do have a couple of notes here from when I was actually playing the game as I was taking these notes. Immediately after this scene, I wrote, I don't know what to do with the money, but I want all of the money. <laughs> well, let me tell you, I don't know if you found any score multipliers in the games. Oh, I don't, I don't know that I have. So let me tell you, there's two time multiplier, four, there's a six, an eight, and I think in this game also a 12. So every stud you get, the silver ones are worth 10, the gold ones are worth 100, and the blue ones are worth 1,000. There's also a 10,000, which is uh, purple. When you have the multiplier on, and that's a whole process we'll talk about in a minute, how to like unlock cheats and all that. But once you have the multiplier on, you can actually turn on multiple multipliers. And so whatever 8 times 6 times 12 times 4 times 2 is... <laughs> Hey, editing Mike here with a quick math check. 8 times 6 times 12 times 4 times 2 equals 4,608. Anyway, back to the podcast. Any level that you've gone through, when you're going back through in, in free play mode and you've found some of these, you know, unlockable codes for multipliers, you will instantly get True Wizard in a heartbeat. And it's, <laughs> but you can have like billions of studs with next to no effort. It's amazing. That's very, very fun. So the next scene, when all the letters are coming in, they go to the, the house on the rocks on the water. A very fun thing is when they are panicking on the boat, the boat literally hops along the water up into the air while they are <laughs> rowboating down out of fear of owls sending them letters. And then eventually Hagrid comes in, classic Hagrid stuff. When he goes to Gringotts and brings Harry, the way that he has to communicate to the elf that he's got the Harry Potter with him is he just grabs Harry by the back of the neck like he's a puppy and just shoves him in the face of the elf and then throws Harry to the side when he's done doing this and then he takes out a key to show that he's got a key to the vault and there's a tiny little Lego Harry Potter keychain on the end of the key. Yeah, there is. <laughs> oh. I love that characters are allowed to be fans of other characters. You see that a couple times in Lego. It's very exciting. Mm -hmm. Then we get a fun bit where you just have things that are funny that aren't necessarily Harry Potter jokes or fandom jokes. They're just funny things that are brought into the cutscenes. When the elf is talking to Hagrid, he looks very intense on his work. And he is, oh, I'm, I keep saying elf. I mean goblin. Goblin, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. For sure, for sure. That's when okay. the goblin is writing, he's very, very intense. Looks like he's writing something on a little podium. And even at one point when he goes to leave to go to the vault, he takes a couple steps and then turns around and then takes his pencil out again and then scribbles in the last couple notes and then keeps going. And then the camera pans to where you can see what he was working on. And it's just a kindergartner's drawing of a house. Yeah, Very basic square, triangle roof, happy face sun, birds in the skies that are just <laughs> lowercase ends. Like, <laughs> Listen, that head goblin's very proud of that. He's working really hard on it. It's going to be on somebody's refrigerator later that night. I really hope so. So when they are going through the different vaults, they open up a vault and it is the wrong vault. It is a party vault. It's a <laughs> party vault. <laughs> it's a bunch of goblins doing a conga line with a remix of Hedwig's theme. And Hedwig's theme gets multiple remixes throughout these cutscenes. And disco EDM Hedwig's theme is a pretty fun vibe. It's definitely a fun vibe. Yeah, that was a long history with the Lego games as well. It goes back to Lego Star Wars. Stormtroopers are doing like the Imperial March disco version and that <laughs> and like, you know, the dancing skeletons are in every Lego game you can imagine. It's very, very fun. So you go through the vault, all that kind of stuff. Harry's doing the rest of his diagonally things. And I noticed something on the sign. And I don't know if this is a book thing or if this is just a, a Lego joke. They put out one of those sandwich board signs for Ollivanders. And it's got a picture of a wand on it. And then it says since 382 BC. Yep. Is that a canon thing? Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. That is 
so old. My God. <laughs> yes, that's super old. Ollivanders is the name. Oh, wow, you want Ollivanders, you know. That's the name in Wands in Britain. But uh, yes, that's true. And that's one of the rare moments they actually have words there because the rest of Ollivanders' sign is just uh, the logo or whatever. Yeah. But it actually says since 382. Yep, that's straight from the book. And just goes to show you, like, they didn't need to do that level of detail, but it's there if you're looking for it. Mm-hmm. So when Harry is doing the classic scene of trying out all the different wands, because it is Lego, every wand looks exactly <laughs> the same. It's just your classic little I love brown that. stub. Yep, yep. yep. <laughs> so he does the stuff, classic scene. The only difference is when he gets the right one, as soon as Harry puts it in his hand, it's got a little purpley glow around the outside of it, which is fun. So they eventually get to platform nine and three quarters and a couple notes here is that first you just have a lot of stock lego characters that look identical which makes <laughs> sense because if you get a lego set or whatever you're going to get pieces that look exactly the same so there's multiple just generic british businessmen legos <laughs> that i really think are very fun in their tiny bowler hats and their little oh. lego briefcases and suits but also Percy shows up and he looks really suave, not to diss Chris Rankin, who's a very nice human being, but Percy, who at least in the books is this nerdy guy, he's got a really nice look going on. His hair is all well-kempt and put together. He's uh, He doesn't look like your standard Percy, you would imagine. I am starting to think you have a thing for little uh, Lego men, you which, know, hey. I think I might. Yeah. I, think, I think I might. It's, you know, we all have our kinks, and I'm clearly attracted to Lego men. But you're, you're, you're not wrong. No, the Legos all look very good. I think there's just something about the way that they convey the Legos. It's the confidence. It's right, like the- I was going to say, they all <laughs> seem to have so much confidence Swagger. and the confidence is attractive. Yeah, I think every Lego person in a Lego video game cutscene just has so much swagger that you can't help to be attracted to them. I think that's right. Also, you know, I, I don't want to uh, like spoil you on Lego games in general or the trend, but Legos totally have full-on voice casts now, like the Lego games. Yeah. And, did, and, and this was... You know, back at a time you mentioned, it's still all grunts and points and murmurs. But so as a result, I want to say they had to overcompensate kind of in the personality so that you could convey what a character was doing or thinking or feeling. Whereas in the newer games, even as recently as I think Marvel Superheroes is the one and maybe even Jurassic World, where it's the voice cast, you don't need to do that so much. So there's almost an element of clown or mime, not to mention like elements of slapstick, of course, happens all the time in these uh, early games. But the nonverbal aspect of it ends up making them work you know, harder or more seamless. I think that's where a lot of the swagger comes from mm -hmm. because every character has to have visible intentionality. Right, yeah. It's always playing things up to 11. If you're scared, you you sound terrified. <laughs> if you're very confident, it's very like, ha, 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 whenever yeah. you're doing a spell or something like that. So... Ron and Harry do their run through the brick wall at nine and three quarters, and Ron breaks Harry's glasses. Then he tries <laughs> to fix them, but the spell deflects, and it turns a guy's hat into a frog. I, he just keeps walking. Keeps going like nothing happened. We appreciate it. We love it. And then Hermione shows up then and fixes the glasses. So this is a, a common thing where some sort of thing that happened in the movie will happen. It'll just kind of happen out of order, and this didn't happen on the train. It happened at the train platform. Yeah, they're plowing through a lot of slow story or even um, not slower story, but story that involves dialogue, right? Yep. So here's a, a quick explanation for one way that Harry, Hermione, and Ron meet. And then of course it is going directly into the level where you're going to play as two or all three of them. So that's the other thing is I've found they move certain story beats up just so that you could have a partner on the off chance that or, or, yeah, even so you can, like, switch and have different characters have different abilities, so. Yeah, a lot of the cutscenes are changed from the canon that actually takes place in the books or the movies to facilitate that if you are playing two-player, player two isn't bored. And I appreciate that, because it is never fun when you're playing a quote-unquote two-player game, but it's really one-and-a-half players where the <laughs> other person's there. I always liked playing Tails while my Same. best friend Josh growing up would play as Sonic, but there's a fair share of stuff where Tails can't really do anything, <laughs> so he's just well, kind of there. he can there. fly, man. Yeah, That's he can all you fly, need to be able to do. Unfortunately, 
Sonic has to go through all of the doors or whatever. You can't you can't like do stuff just as tails. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, getting to the end of the level and you can't trip the thing to let all the animals out. Ugh. Yep. Sonic has to do it. So that's always frustrating. So the game does a nice job of making player two actually feel valid, and they never do something where it's just like, oh, player two's here, but player one controls everything. Yeah, it's it's seamless too. The yeah. jumping, jump out. I mean, that is worth noting. There are no like load times or anything associated with that. It's just always flashing. You can push start button or in the newer systems, it's something else. But um, you know, it really just pops you in. And then also the way the split screen works is it's not a split screen if you are in relative proximity. The camera angle will just zoom out a little bit. It's it's great. And I've been playing the, they remastered the PlayStation ones. Yes. So I've got like the PS4 remaster of them and they look really nice. The graphics are good. The sound is great. It's just, it's a fun play. It is a fun play, Pass Mike. Hey, it's me editing Mike. Pass Mike, how about you go actually take a little bit of a break? You could play some of that Lego Harry Potter game. I got to step in for a minute because we got to take a break for Wingardium Adridosa. Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by Calm. Let's say hypothetically that you are a Lego Ollivander and you just had a potential wizard come in and wreck everything in your store. And this isn't great. You've had to spend the whole day cleaning up your store and now you've gotten home from a long day of work and you're really tired and you just want to hit the hay and be calm before you do so. What could you do to calm yourself down? You could use the app Calm. Calm is the number one mental wellness app that gives you the tools to improve the way you feel. You can clear your head with guided meditations. You can improve your focus with Calm's curated music tracks, or you can drift off to dreamland with Calm's imaginative sleep stories. I've used all these different things from Calm, and I gotta say, they really do what the goals are. Meditations are really nice, and I appreciate that they are guided, because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to meditate myself, so it's nice to have someone in a very soothing manner describe things for you to focus on, how to regulate your breathing, all that kind of stuff. I really appreciated it. I also really enjoy their nature sounds to play in the background while I'm doing work, and also the sleep stories to help me fall asleep have worked. Sometimes I need to listen to something to fall asleep, and the sleep stories do the trick. It's not just me, over 100 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds so you can sleep more, you can stress less, and you can live better with Calm. And as a Potterless listener, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion to you. They are offering 40% off a Calm premium subscription if you go to calm.com slash Potterless. Again, that is C-A-L-M dot com slash Potterless for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. So go to calm.com slash Potterless, say 40% off Calm premium, and have some nice, soothing things to listen to while you have to deal with the ridiculous mess that a little young boy wizard made in your shop today. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the market marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are, so it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club, and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want, and then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me, and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can right get 10% off, get... off your first purchase wow, by going to ArenaClub.com Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks. Right wow. there. Wow. Anyways, that's a slash Potterless for 10% off your first purchase. That's a wild auction. 10% off a $40 slab pack for a more transparent way. That's a really good sports nerd Pokemon nerd. For all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. So they go to the sorting. Dumbledore's outfit is truly violently purple, which makes me very, very excited. I love the outfit there. And what is also fun in these games, because I've realized it's hard to convey a plot twist in video game cutscenes where there's no dialogue. So the bad guys are just sketchy right from the jump. Yeah. And Coral, when they are showing all of the professors, he is maniacally rubbing his hands together and smirking like the first time you see him. Yep. So I uh, I, <laughs> I thought it was very funny that they've just abandoned any sort of plot twist because, yeah, without dialogue, it would be hard. Yep. In Charms class, one thing I did notice, Flitwick, I guess because it's a years one through four game, he's moving to Flitwick. Uh, he's not ridiculous hair, old school Flitwick. No, dare I say he looks good. He looks kind of attractive. I don't know. It's like uh, mm-hmm. he's been going to the gym, working out. He's got a good uh, stylist. Yeah. But it was, of course, jarring the first time watching the movies and then being like, oh, is that Flitwick now? Because it's never, <laughs> if they had just devoted a line saying, thank you, Professor Flitwick, for that amazing frog choir that was totally here the whole time and Hogwarts. That would make so much sense. <laughs> they need to do what they did in The Dark Knight, which is when they recast Rachel. They say Rachel's name about 35 times while showing you Maggie Gyllenhaal instead of oh. Katie Holmes. They're like, oh, look, Rachel, how's it going? Rachel, great to see you, Rachel. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's that's always a proven effective uh, way of doing it, too. But you mentioned the class. I mean, Char- Charms class, the idea that you can go to classes at Hogwarts is huge and is absolutely something that they tried new in this game to learn spells that, you know, there's this huge hub environment in Hogwarts, which is amazing because you might not even be in one of the six story missions, so to speak, for each of the four years. But this hub level is just full of um, varying levels unlock, varying passageways and special things. You mentioned the students in peril, this, that, the other thing. So when you're learning spells, it, it just ends up, for replayability and also for just enjoyment going from one place to the other. If you've recently learned a spell and you're going down the same old boring hallway, I know it well, nothing changes. That doesn't exist in this game because now you've got this new spell. You know, you can finally hit the shiny metal and have it explode because you just learned Reducto at the beginning of year four. Amazing. It's a game changer. And like every time you do this same hallway, it's different. Mm -hmm. And I just don't know other games that really are able to do that kind of a thing. Yeah, it's a really fun thing in that you can get through the story just with, you have your your main spell is basically Wingardium Liviosa, and yeah. that just picks stuff up. And you can pretty much get through the main story with just that. But sometimes it's worked into the story, which is a really nice thing that, as far as the story, you learn Lumos, but then also that helps you in the game, and then there's these other spells that you can learn outside. But you can then go back, and like you're saying, there's things to 100% the level where you need that more advanced spell. So it gives you incentive to replay because, oh, now that I know this spell, I can unlock this thing, which gets me this bonus piece, blah, 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 blah. But the first time you're playing through, all you need to be able to do is the most basic spell. But yeah, it's fun that the game works into the story, something that also helps from the gameplay so that it feels like a logical progression of your character. What's also fun is that when Ron is failing at Wingardium Liviosa, he accidentally picks up three students from behind him and spins them (laughs) in circles by accident. (laughs) Then we have a scene where you're in the Great Hall. Malfoy throws a piece of cake at Hermione's face. And I've noticed, and I don't know if this is an all-Lego game thing, but getting pied or caked in the face happens many times in this game. Again, it's slapstick. (laughs) It goes back to like mime as a discipline. And if you cannot talk... How are you going to showcase varying behaviors? And it's it's all about that. Yeah, so Hermione gets caked in the face. She runs off to the bathroom, which does have a fun little generic restroom yeah. sign outside of just, it, which is just funny to think of inside of a castle. And then, of course, the troll in the dungeon happens. 
Quirrell runs out to try to warn people that there's a troll in the dungeon, but people don't understand. So he takes out a chicken drumstick, which is a very recurring character in this game. Very. And he pretends that it's a troll club and does a pantomime of a troll. And then everybody just freaks out. And that whole scene is really funny. There's someone grabbing someone by the shoulders, shaking them back and forth, and then slapping them in the face. Then a person fully zoomed in pops up from below frame and just screams into frame. Then you've got people just throwing things, just like throwing items at Dumbledore and at Harry, <laughs> just all sorts of stuff. It is absolute pandemonium and it's so funny. Yeah, it's it's just absolutely like there's so much joy to be found, especially when everyone's freaking out. But there's just so much joy in this game and it comes from the cutscenes, but it also comes from just the way that they're able to remove themselves from the world and insert themselves in the world at the same exact time. It's just a beautiful dichotomy of like getting you to laugh is like their number one goal, but getting you to feel like you're at Hogwarts is the next goal. Yeah, it's done well. So the troll scene, the troll is not out for blood or anything. The troll is just trying to use the bathroom. <laughs> and then the troll leaves the stall and goes to wash his hands. And then when he sees Hermione, he gets upset. Hermione runs into the stall. The troll did not flush, which is very rude of the troll. Yeah. And this is the point where you have your first... I don't know if boss fight is the right term, but there are certain levels where it's more complicated than just tap square, tap square, tap square, or yep. move thing around for a puzzle. This was, it actually took me a good chunk of time to actually figure out how to defeat the troll. It was my first true challenge in the game, but it was welcome. It was hard, but not excruciatingly so. Yeah, my girlfriend pointed out, uh, because she actually had this old Lego Harry Potter um, troll set this set called oh. Troll on the Loose. The thing is, and they do this with Star Wars, they do this with all their other pieces. When they got around to making the Lego Harry Potter game, they actually relied on some design elements of the actual Harry Potter Legos. Right. They've been licensing Harry Potter Legos since 2002, according to this thing I'm looking at. And that means that the, the troll you see in the game, which did not come out till 2010, is that exact same troll design it's like if it ain't broke don't fix it we designed it down to like the fact that the troll is wearing like linen basically like that cloth material yep. that is so rare to find on legos but it's it's wearing it and it's the exact same design and uh we were we were playing co-op too throughout the uh whole four years and she just kept pointing out like i had that set and it, oh my god it was exactly that like it's exactly dobby sock it's exactly you know it's just like the whole list is unbelievable so it really shows almost an homage. I mean, you would think that they're they're sending up Harry Potter and they're uh, lovingly riffing on the movies and celebrating the books, but these games are also celebrating Lego. Yeah. And Lego's history as a rights licensor to these franchises, they're, they're doing all of that and it just flows so seamlessly. And if you're not looking, you would just miss it. Yeah, it's it's really, really fun. I grew up with Legos. I played so, so, so much. My niece is four and a half now and she's currently obsessed with the Legos. Oh, so that's very fun. I remember my sister was very big on getting the Harry Potter Legos. One, because she was a Harry Potter super fan, but also because the Harry Potter Lego sets had really cool colors oh, that weren't yeah, in your like standard box sets and we would get those big creator sets. Yeah, well even just even just the various shades of gray for the uh stone for yeah, like Hogwarts for sure. and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. New new colors. The other thing that's good for that is uh when Star Wars episode 1 Legos came out, which I had like all of them, uh the Pod Racer and a lot of the I want to say the the stuff on Theed, so like the um the droid tanks and things. Oh. Those were like a beige that I just couldn't find anywhere else and mm -hmm. I really enjoyed having the beige. And actually, since I am on uh, this website called brickset.com to verify oh, about the troll yeah. set. Hell yeah. And what, you know Brickset? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do not. I just did a Google search and this popped up, but damn, it is, it, it'll tell you everything you need to know about like what figures come with which set. I'm just going to call it out when referencing a set, but this is 4712 troll on the loose 
is where they use the troll from. But yeah, it's just it's just nuts that they're able to work this in so seamlessly. It's great. It's really fun. Like you said, it's the inside jokes where if you know Harry Potter, it's fun. If you know Lego, it's fun. If you don't, it's still fun because it's funny to see what they have to do to make something that is certainly not going to be able to be built with standard Legos. They have to make a custom shape of sorts. So even if you don't know what the Lego troll looks like, like I didn't know that that's what the Lego troll looked like. It was just funny to see them make a Lego troll because he is kind of like a custom little plastic piece. He doesn't look like a standard Lego person, but you still get that he's a troll, but he also definitely looks like a Lego. It's really fun. Yep. So when you defeat the troll, McGonagall then comes in. She does a distinct smell when Hermione leaves the stinky stall and all these Lego flowers pop up, which is very fun. And Snape shoots a dirty look at Quirrell. Quirrell even does an aw shucks move because yeah, his evil yeah. plan didn't work out. So very clear that he's behind all of the dastardly deeds in this first movie. Then we've got another charms class. Flitwick lowers a disco ball uh, when he teaches you Lumos, which I think is a very fun thing to do. Then there's also a herbology class with Sprout, and her earmuffs are just Lego studs yep. that she just plops on the side of her head. It's very fun. <laughs> Stroke of genius. It's really, really great. The plants, I gotta say, are very creepy looking. Yeah. And... When you play the game, they will latch out and grab you. You have to do Lumos to make them go away. They are actually terrifying. I was not a fan of them. Gave me big Jumanji plant energy. Oh, And yes. uh, not a fan. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, that's the yellow and purple plant. Oh, my God, I haven't thought about that. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, this, this version of Devil's Snare, like it exists to be... It actually ends up being a lot of puzzle solving. Like you mentioned, like a lot of everything can be done with Wingardium Leviosa. Anything that can't, Lumos Salem, mm -hmm. you know, the solar light of your wand will get these little guys to kind of wriggle back out of their way. And as you're going throughout the later games too, like platforms and paths that are blocked are all clearable by that but i hated the greenhouse like when i first got in i didn't know like wasn't clear what you were doing oh, that was another hard level where you have to break a bunch of stuff and then yeah. use all of the pieces that fall down to build something yeah and if you miss something like if you miss one spider web in a corner or something then you've missed the little piece that comes out of it that ends up mm -hmm. building the cart to ram the plant like it just there are one or two instances and i know for the most part like they really tried to get like this game play tested and all that other stuff and like make sure there weren't these blind spots. There are still blind spots. There are one or two times where there's just not enough prompts to really intuitively tell it. Like, and, it, and it's not intuitive. Yeah. In this first game, I think the only time I was really frustrated was this first greenhouse level because I thought I had enough pieces to build the thing and it did not make it clear that I didn't. So I spent a lot of time just shooting spells at everything and then finally it worked. <laughs> Also, just a gameplay note at this point, whenever you walk past Draco, Crab, and Goyle, they go Meah! in unison and then laugh at you, and it's very good. It never gets old. <laughs> So now we've got the flying scene with the remember all and Harry catches it and stuff. First off, the Neville Lego is so adorable with his yeah. tiny little buck teeth. But also when Harry catches the remember all, there are four slow-mo replays of him catching it and it zooms in every time. And then it cuts to McGonagall and Oliver Wood who are already outside seeing it, looking at each other and then getting very excited that they have a new Quidditch prospect on their hands. I mean, you're a sports guy, right? How was that action replay? It's a good replay. I like it. I love slow-mo. I'm a huge fan. There's a thing that the NBA uses called the Phantom Cam, which is one of those cameras that just shoots at 5 trillion frames per second. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I can never get enough of those videos. I've got a whole playlist on YouTube where every time I find a new one, I save it. Oh, I love and that. And I found one that's like 48 minutes long. It's so good. It's very, very fun. But the funny thing with the Lego is they zoom in, but it's not like it gets in a higher resolution because it's still like plastic. <laughs> yep. It's like smooth plastic. So they're going in and it's zooming in faster and faster, but you really just see like a, I don't know, a blob of <laughs> like resin. It just doesn't look like anything, but it's amazing because again, if you get it, you get it. It just makes it so funny. It's so fun. So then you have Quidditch and the gameplay, what you have to do is basically as Ron and Hermione, you have to go around to stop Snape from, or Snape quote unquote, from messing with Harry's broom. Mm. And a fun little detail is that at one point in this level, you have to fly on a broom as Hermione and she's terrible at flying, <laughs> which is a fun little <laughs> canon thing that they just throw in there. That's in canon. Yeah. Yeah. She hates brooms. She hates them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Harry, of course, is a natural 
because his yes. dad or blood or hero of the story or whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Jock. But yeah, the idea that Hermione should fail at brooms and also does not get better. Like even in the next game, she's just not great. The broom is like pretty much doing to her what it almost does to Harry in this first Quidditch match. It's like you can't really gain any height off of it. No. So that's a wonderful way. Again, because in these, you know, this generation of Lego games, they really got into different characters having different abilities. They can open certain doors. Hermione uh, in this game is the runes, and she mm-hmm. also has Crookshanks, who can do very specific pet-enabled functions. But the broom is another touch entirely, because if you're playing the game, if you're in story mode, there's never going to be a situation where you don't have the character you need. So there's really no reason they needed to code this in, except to say, wait, uh-uh, don't you remember Hermione sucks at flying. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Canonically, this is not a thing. And so it's a way of like, you're just like, oh, I have to switch to Harry. You know what that entails? You push triangle. That's all. But having gotten on the broom, seeing that your character sucked at it, had to get off, like do the walk of shame of like switching over to Harry, then getting back on the broom and having to push Hermione aside is amazing for, it like sends dopamine to me every time I'm like, oops, (laughs) my bad. Because as a super fan, you're just like, oh, I should have known that. Totally. It's really fun. It's a very good attention to detail. So back to the cutscenes when you've got Harry catching the snitch, instead of him catching it in his mouth, it's in his ear. He kind of does the classic (laughs) smack yourself in the side of the head thing to get water out of your ear and the snitch pops out, which is very fun. We get to Christmas. Hagrid brings in some trees. McGonagall shoots uh, a spell at the trees and ornaments and a star on top pops up. And then Santa hats rain from the sky. And Hagrid says, ho, 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 after his lands on his head. (laughs) Continuing with Christmas, Ron opens his present. He's got a Weasley sweater. And of course, because it's Lego, it's just a full torso. It's a full Lego torso of a Weasley sweater, which is very fun. And then Harry gets his invisibility cloak. And it is like a cloak. It's not necessarily like a a Lego body piece. But Harry does this cute little jig and butt wiggle when he puts on the invisibility cloak. That's just very, very fun. I know these jokes are things that kids would laugh at, but they're funny. (laughs) They're funny. I mean, if we can't laugh at things that we would have laughed at when we were kids or did laugh at when we were kids, then what's the point of aging? Exactly, exactly. Now, a future scene when you're sneaking around with the invisibility cloak, I saw someone, again, a character that I didn't recognize at first because they looked too good, was Filch. Filch's hair and beard make him look very well-kempt. It's very not Filchy, at least movie adaptation Filch. He's got like a salt and pepper vibe going to him. He's he's a total zaddy. I think it's just hard. I guess like every Lego, since you've got Lego hair and stuff, it's like every Lego has a good hair and makeup department, I think is what it is. Mm Because his hair looks phenomenal. (laughs) It's hard to do unkempt Lego hair. Because even if you did, it would look stylish. That said, how's this then in comparison? Because the female Lego characters, I think they're very hard to do right in terms of making them looking anything like, you know, other than the little girl character with like pigtails. Because the hair piece is so... It's there just doesn't seem to be that much variety there. Yes, I agree. It is hard to do layers in Lego hair because it just is one chunk. Yeah. So it's hard (laughs) to do longer hair because no matter what you do, it just ends up looking really big in the back. So, yeah, I agree that I think I think more so of like the the girls don't look as good. It's more of just the the women Lego characters all kind of look the same. Yeah. So it's harder to tell them apart. They all kind of have a generic eyelashes, lipstick, hairs don't look that different. So even characters with iconic hairstyles don't necessarily stand out. Rita Skeeter, the only way you can tell it's her is because she's got the bright green outfit. Her hair doesn't look like the Rita Skeeter hair. Madame Rose Murta has completely different hair. So it's harder. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe because the only true features that show up when you do the men's hair are things like side parts and middle parts so it's more distinct whereas all the women hair just kind of looks like generic long hair yeah it's a shame it's a shortcoming maybe lego pieces will adapt i I think they will because (laughs) i saw they released for pride they did uh they did a everyone is awesome thing where they had people uh, in different colors and made a whole rainbow thing and the hair was all fantastic and i was very tempted to get it specifically because the light blue guy had my hairstyle Uh, i was like hmm am I gonna am I gonna drop money to get one Lego piece that kind of looks like me? Yes. I might. <laughs> yeah. 
So we get the mirror of the Erised reflection, and Ron's, more so than just having his Quidditch championship stuff, it also has Hermione giving him a smooch on the cheek. So getting a little ahead of ourselves oh, in terms yeah. of Ron's uh, crush over Hermione. They gotta, they gotta over-sexualize these children, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, for like, you know, uh, storytelling shortcoming or like briefness of plot kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But like, no, I mean, even in the next year, like what's supposed to be 11 year old Ginny has like a lot of eyeshadow. <laughs> like, I'm like, really girl. I think because basically every game is about 20 minutes total of cutscene for each of the years. It's, it's like an hour and a half. You can just watch all the cutscenes on YouTube, which I would recommend. I'll put a link to it in the episode description of this podcast. Mm. It's about an hour and a half for years one through four. So I think because you can't devote as much time, they have to take plot lines that might just happen in one book and kind of stretch it over multiple to really drive the point home that Ginny and Harry are a thing, Ron and Hermione are a thing, because it's hard to do it when you're cutting out anything that doesn't matter. Like, Cho Chang just doesn't exist in oh, yeah. the year four thing. You, They just cut the entire Yule Ball plot because we have to focus on Triwizard Tournament. Yep. Now, one thing with the Mirror of the Era said that is very interesting is Dumbledore comes and, and takes Ron and Harry away, but after they leave, he walks up to the mirror and has the stone. Yep. So we get some things that go unwritten in the book or unseen in the movie added to the Lego Harry Potter cutscenes. Mm-hmm. It's very, very interesting. So when the squad goes to Hagrid's hut to talk about stuff, this would normally be the the dragon egg scene, but that's not really here. But Hagrid is just doing laundry, and he's got a unicorn with a thermometer in its mouth. Yeah. I guess he really is caring for the magical creatures. Oh, I love that so much. I also really appreciated Lego Fang. Lego Fang looks great. He's just so Very suave. perfectly plastic molded done. <laughs> Yeah, very, very, a boarhound Lego has never looked better. It's it's some great stuff. So we've got the detention scene later on, and the way that they do the villains is so funny, just because they really kid up the villains. And when Voldemort flies at the unicorn to try and eat it, he comes flying at it with a fork and a knife in his little Lego hands. Yep. But also, his face does look very creepy. He's very intimidating from the jump. Absolutely. But the, yeah, the fork and the knife, well... What was he doing to that unicorn? He was drinking its blood. You know, it's like, okay, let's make that a little bit more kid friendly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Rated E for everyone. Yep, gotta gotta keep in with those video game ratings. Another thing happening early to show distress: Harry shoots the red spark spell that we see in Goblet of Fire to call for danger, mm. and the centaur that comes in is just so funny looking because Uh, it does look like you had a Lego horse and you just plopped a Lego man torso on top of it, which makes sense. But also his hair is beautifully ridiculous. It is very large hair. What I like about the sparks in this whole scene is it's actually a great level where you're going to Harry. It's like the first level where Harry is not a playable character, and it's because you're the other guys. You're Hagrid. Yeah, I think the only other time it happened in the game was when you are Ron and Hermione trying to stop Snape from messing with Harry's broom during the Quidditch match. But yeah, for the most part, Harry is always one of the two. Mm -hmm. So just like in the book when the narrator isn't following Harry, it's really fun when you play a level and you go, oh, I'm not Harry this time. It's a fun little twist that comes up every now and then. Yeah, or like when he's um, he's like bogged down by Dementors at the beginning of uh, book three, which we'll get to. But yeah, it's just... um, Really good opportunities for some uh, variability, a uh, little little bit of a different type of level that you're playing as. And, and the game designers, I think, were really conscious of that. Yes, it's very fun keeping that variety. You never get bored. So later on, the squad is sneaking through the Forbidden Corridor. They approach Fluffy. You see Coral come out from the trapdoor hatch thing, and he destroys the harp with a spell, and that wakes up Fluffy. But at first, when Fluffy wakes up, Ron busts out a little Lego trumpet, and he (laughs) plays Hedwig's theme on the trumpet. So you get out-of-tune trumpet remix of Hedwig's theme, which is very specific and very funny. Add it to your list. Yeah, you make a list (laughs) of all the remixes. That's right. But as you alluded to earlier, the way that you have to calm Fluffy down is by getting a giant yellow rubber duck that you take from a portrait of a wizard in the bathroom. Uh, just a, a fun, silly way to to work around what actually takes place in the story. Yeah, I mean, it's a squeaky toy. It just is like, oh, what pet doesn't love a squeaky toy? 
an elegant solution to describe all that. What I love about here's another major thing that I love about the Lego games. The interaction with portraits is a thing Mm -hmm. in the books. It's always, will they, won't they, what is a portrait? Is it sentient? Whatever. Can you go into the world of a portrait? Because portraits can go to like their other portraits that were painted years later. And it's just like some kind of magical doorway. It's like, what the hell people should be able to blue skidoo into portraits in Harry Potter. 100%. And that's never touched on, really, like, not really. So, in the LEGO games, they just decided, yeah, it's going to be a thing where certain items are just going to come out, and then you can also give items to uh, paintings. You can give a guy a sword who's going to slay a dragon, and, you know, it's just like an open, another opportunity for puzzling and um, various points of interaction it's 100% the right call. Yeah, it's nice. And a lot of times in the game, those sort of bonus puzzles are giving stuff to the portraits. And when you figure out what you need to give to the portrait to get the thing, it's a very rewarding thing gameplay-wise. What's fun continuing through the tasks that they have to get through to get to Quarrel, when you do wizard's chess, when the queen eventually goes to attack the king, they are just big Lego pieces, which is very fun. But the way that the black queen piece taunts the white king, very nanny nanny boo boo, wiggle the hips back and forth. I wish chess pieces did that when you attacked them in actual chess. (laughs) I would love my chess pieces to trash talk the other pieces before they defeat them. <laughs> oh yeah, people want magic wands or invisibility cloaks and it's always like the new ter- Harry Potter technology is going to be like real life invisibility cloaks, like real life lightsaber will never happen. But I want wizard's chess, damn it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There was a Lego chess game that purported to do this way back when, but huh. I, my system never loaded it correctly. It was like Windows 98 era. Yeah, there was. there is a Lego chess game before Harry Potter. That sounds very fun. So the way that Ron gets left behind is not that he got attacked by the king. He just trips on the king's fallen sword. And then when (laughs) Harry and Hermione run through the doorway, it closes behind them. So a little, little change to get around that. And then, as you would assume, since Hermione came with Harry, they just go straight to the fight with Coral and to make sure that if you're playing two-player, you have something to do, this whole scene takes place with not just Harry there, but Hermione also. Yeah, it's a heck of a thing. And it it changes in a very subtle way. It really just adds more feminism to the story of the book. Yeah, where some women can actually do some stuff. Yeah, well, at the end of the, because at the end of year two, not to jump ahead, but you can play Ginny and save yourself. Yeah. Basically, you know, in the book, she's unconscious on the account of having her life force being drained to the point of near death. But- uh, in Lego, they need her to like, you need to help each other lift platforms and stuff. And she's just like, yep, I'm up. I'm ready to go. Let's, uh, let's defeat this. And she saves her own ass. Yeah. It's fantastic. I like it. I like it a lot. Another thing I like is that when you get the transition of Quirrell to Voldemort, basically Quirrell sees that Harry has the Sorcerer's Stone and he gets so mad that his Lego head flies up, knocking his turban off, and his head spins around in circles. Yeah. And then when it lands back on his Lego neck, it's Voldemort face, and then you have to fight Voldemort. That's very mayor of uh, Halloween Town from oh, Nightmare Before yeah, Christmas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, okay. yeah. So after you defeat Voldemort in the fight, Voldemort turns into Ghost Voldemort, and just the sight of the ghost makes Harry faint. He doesn't do the fly-through thing, but... Voldemort tries to grab the stone and he can't because he's a ghost. And then the mirror of the Erised versions of James and Lily laugh at Voldemort. And then Voldemort, who was floating previously, lands and stomps away in disgust, even though he's a ghost. And then the final scene of year one is Dumbledore waking up Harry, except Dumbledore's at the wrong hospital bed. (laughs) He's at some other kid in a full body cast. And then Dumbledore has to awkwardly shuffle over to Harry. And then it ends with Dumbledore opening giant trunks, the classic Lego treasure chest, full of birdie bots. And Dumbledore eats one and it turns out to be soap flavored. And that is the end of year one of Lego Harry Potter. And that's going to be the end of this episode of Potterless. What perfect timing. So we'll talk about years two through four in the next episode. But we got some big picture stuff. We got the first game. Before we wrap it, is there anything else we didn't touch on from this first game you wanted to discuss, Eric? Oh, just what we touched on in part two. It uh, will continue the saga. But uh, yeah, I just think that I was saying to you earlier, this is really the best Harry Potter 
adaptation video game that you can find in terms of an adaptation of the books it's these video games or nothing else there's they're just so done so lovingly if you are a fan of the books this is as close as it comes to really feeling like you can walk around hogwarts there has not been a game since and it's been 11 years that perfectly captures some of the humor that exists in the books that was drained from the movies and adds more humor that you wouldn't expect into it. So five out of five stars to Lego Harry Potter years one through four. I agree. A very, very fun game. Eric, thank you for joining. If people want to find you doing stuff on the internet, podcast-wise and all, where can they do so? Yeah, check me out at MuggleCast. We record weekly, and that is super cool and super Harry Pottery. And I have my own podcast called Thank You for Spieling, which is just turning one year old later this month. Wow, congrats. It's going to start crawling. I did. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes. I hope I have to have to baby-proof the uh, recording studio for sure. Um, <laughs> Don't put pillows in the bottom of it. That's bad for your crib. <laughs> uh, I, that's actually good to know. I didn't know that tip. <laughs> yes, I learned I learned this because Kelly and I are now a new aunt and uncle combo. Her sister had a kid and very, very cute baby. And I have learned that you're not supposed to put pillows in the bottom of a crib because the baby can kind of get stuck in between. I'm glad that Kelly and I both have older siblings so that they can teach us all of the do's and don'ts of baby care and then get hand-me-down stuff. It's a really great thing that we certainly did not plan in life, which was have older siblings that had kids first so that we don't have to learn stuff. We just get to... uh, absorb i'm an oldest so i have to surround myself with like friends who are slightly older who've already been through that's what you got to do yeah you got to anytime your friends have kids just ask them a bunch of questions or i think now there's probably like a tiktok on how to do it (laughs) honestly at this point yes indeed my goodness well eric thank you so much for joining on listeners thanks for listening and as they say in the wizarding world of harry potter as they shoot random spells all across the halls of hogwarts wizard on Hey, if you like supporting independent creators and getting bonus content in exchange for doing so, boy, oh boy, do I have good news for you. You can support Potterless on Patreon and get access to some great bonus content. You can also support Multitude by joining the Multi-Crew. If you go to multicrew.club, you can get access to things like our exclusive friendly debate podcast, Head, Heart, Gut, and some Multitude merch and all of that. There's some really great stuff at patreon.com slash Potterless and multicrew.club. Potterless is created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert as well as Vicky Garcia, Christine, Aaron Johnson, Klauser, Lopu, Marchismo, Juan Sanfeliu, Rosemary, Dajmarie, Lisa C. Keen, Audra, Eleanor Kerlin, Nikita Power, Rachel Guthrie, Alex Consulver, John Kotker, Noel Basile, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Veronica Bartova, Lada Bartova, Noah, Jennifer Marklu, Justin Montero, Jacob Parrish, Maya Gray, Polly Burge, Zena Rosnowski, Harlan Haskins, Nikki Harris, Kine, Sarah Shedder, Marta Morrison, Flora Sake, Skyla Lily, Edel Ryan, Professor Threat, Ellie Hoskov Chova, Michael David Yordi, Kelly Otilio, Kerry Crumpler, Connie Bienkowski, Jen Went, Nedry OS, Will Huser, Mariah Kariga, Ashton Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, on the Meadows Family, Ginny from the Block, Heather Langeel, Kevin Stewart, Jarl Sviven, Peter McGrath, Callahan Andares, Bella Barlack, Melanie Demi, Reese Dignan, Joseph Torp, Madison, Don't Call Me an Infidora, Sabrina Balsaker, Sophia Loves Pigs, Farzan Jarabat, Melanie DeRave, Matt Barger, Okamahime, Boney Pony, Kelsey Gillespie, Rike Mango Jensen, Taylor Payne, Megan Moon, Riley Kitas, Laurel Happy, Erica Butler, Kendra Hertz, Natanya Page, Yogan Shanley, Darcy Alexandra Harrison, Sandra Rose, Craig McRoberts, Demi Lynn, Michelle Spurgeon, Henrika Wolf, Casey Canales, Megan Stampin, Jack Skitzes, Dane Nemcher, Little One, Laria Vicentin, Gregory Hughes, Call Call Mother Feathers, Ribbon Monstrosity, Jack Parr, Serenity Allen, Haley Hastings, Sabrina Casanova, Jenny Browers, Eileen Gazesh, Annette Pipitone, Hufflepuff alumni, Brett Clausen, Mary Price, Artemis, Samantha McNamara, Nina Campley, Tatiana Schmidt, Carries Davies, Little Vomit Spiders Running Around, Punkfish, Wire Warrior 4976, Joe Sander, Michael Peavy, Maya Saunders, Jasmine Ellis, Neely, Tate Sasson, Sam Sam Reby, Adriana Hernandez, John Savio, Jody Dunamorphine, Nash Sanadiki, Emma L. Oscar Thomason, Sean Kirkoba, Greg Bonastali, Matthew J. Moreland, Ping Vinachek, Nani, Emma Cooey, Steamed Nuggets, and can't I potter? Web design by Kelly Schubert, and the music is by Bettina Kambamanis. If you want to find us on social media, you can at facebook.com slash potterless, twitter.com slash potterless pod, instagram.com slash potterless podcast, and reddit.com slash r slash potterless. For any and all information about the show, you can go to potterlesspodcast.com. If you want to get tickets to our tour, you can go to potterlesspodcast.com slash live. Merchandise lives at potterlesspodcast.com slash merch, and bonus content lives at patreon.com slash potterless. If you think of someone that might enjoy the show, you could tell someone about that, whether you reach out to them directly or you you talk about it on social media or you leave us a rating on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use. Those things all really help. Thank you so much for listening and until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, wizard on! Hello. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.